but you know, I didn't go to the races to make friends, you know, racing was a job and I just never could understand how people could laugh and socialize with each other. And 10 minutes later, they might be taking the guy out. You know, I just. Episode 57, Tank Slapping Podcast. Another week, another guest, another world champ, baby. John Kaczynski coming on the show. Rob, stoked for it. I, I've met him a few times, but I'm actually excited to get him on and chat with him. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've never really met him too much in person. Um, I've talked to, I want to say, Paul Covert and Jeff Covert are friends like in Arkansas or something. It's weird. Like, who's from Arkansas? And I think Kosinski is like originally from there. Like I've talked to his dad before, uh, older man in a race and was great to talk to. And you know, little who doesn't want to talk to a world championship? Yep. Little rock, little rock, Arkansas. Uh, he lives in California. Now uh, a lot of people know him in the flat track world. Cause he's got some of the best looking flat track bikes on the planet. He's got a CR two fifty that is like on steroids. The thing could probably beat my twin, it's so fast. And then he's got a phenomenal, really cool looking. I don't know if he still has, we'll have to ask him a wood Rotex that just a work of art, man. I'd love to just sit on that damn thing. Um, so, but, you know, aside from his flat track stuff, he's a 1990 250cc world champion, 1997 world Superbike champion. He's had some success in the 500cc Grand Prix series. He raced, you know, during the era of Wayne Rainey, Kevin Schwantz, Lawson, uh, Doug Chandler, who we just had on recently, the guy is a bad dude, man. He's a bad motherfucker. Like that guy can ride a motorcycle and yeah, stoked to get him on and, and chat with him. And I, he follows the sport for flat track, Rob. So it'd be interesting to get his insight on some of this stuff. Oh, for sure. And, and from what I've heard about him too, the best thing I love the most is that I don't think he's going to hold back. I think we're going to hear exactly what he means. There's not going to be any worried about corporate sponsors or anything. Not that we do anyway, but uh, yeah, I'm stoked. I want to make sure we shout out our sponsors to make this show happen week in and week out without their support. This would be possible. Bell Power Sports, check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products. The Race Star Flex, game changer in flat track road race. Just phenomenal helmet. The quality and safety is unmatched. If you start tank slapping, you want to be protected by Bell. Moto America, finally, this weekend, we are amped up. Road Atlanta, Junior Cup, King of Baggers, Honus Superbike, Super Sport, Stock 1000, and Twins Cup. Make sure you check them out. They are partnering with AFT this weekend, offering the American Super Ticket. It'll allow fans to attend both events in Atlanta for $99. Check that out, Moto America. If you can't be there this weekend, if you can't, be in town make sure you subscribe to the live plus package the coverage is excellent and uh, i'm excited for that series to get underway man i really am at did chain we appreciate their support they've been helping us out on this podcast for a long time phenomenal products i've mentioned it before it's easy for me to plug these sponsors because i i'm a believer in the product and all the major teams across the industry use the did chain check out the 520mx chain Follow them and hit them up on social media. They're very interactive. They can help guide you in the right, the right direction on what product is best for your motorcycle. Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas. Jerry Stinchfield, commercial industrial roofing company with nearly 40 years of experience. Check them out, commercialroofsystems.net. Jerry keeps the sport going without him. We wouldn't have this podcast either. 
Dunlop Motorcycle Tires, the official tire of the American Flat Track Series, the DT4. We're giving away tires left and right on the pod, and it's because of the support from Dunlop. Check them out. Support them. AIM Sports Data, excuse me, AIM Sports Data, the world leader in data acquisition, the Solo 2 and Solo 2 DL GPS lap timer. Check them out on social media at AIM Sports Data, complete game changer. We appreciate their support. And DND Cycles, the, the dealership in Pensacola, Florida that you need to check out, Aprilia, Triumph, Kimco. What else do you guys sell, Rob? I know you guys got a lot of different brands. Man, we are the second oldest Triumph dealership in the country, um, but we got Triumph, Kimco, Genuine Scooters, Vespa Scooters, and hopefully in the very, very near future, we'll be adding a red brand, but I can't uh, speak any more on that, but I'm very, very excited because let's just say the AFT singles class might see some D&D cycles, blank blanks winning Love it. And you still yeah. have Stasics, man? You have, I, I saw you were... St- oh, yeah, dude. We're definitely Stasic, man. Actually, uh, sold one, uh, another one last Saturday. Dude came in and uh, loved the first one so much that... And I didn't know it was possible. This kid demolished the first one. He's like, yeah, well, we had like one of the very first ones that came out and loved it so much. He upgraded to the taller wheel version, uh, upgraded the motor, and got a stand and everything. So, yeah, those things are badass, man. There's, it's. I was telling somebody the other day, man, like... As a kid, I was on a pedal bike. If I had a Stasic, it would have been a game changer. Yeah. Yeah, I post so many videos of Cruz on his Stasic, and everybody's asking me what they are, where you can get them. Well, there you go. D&D Cycles, hit up Robbie Bobby, and he'll get you squared away. Uh, that's we'll all we right got for mail. Our... <laughs> you can mail them, right? Yeah, dude. I'll put it right in the UPS, right to your door, man. And uh, Perfect. It was funny the other day, too. Sorry to keep blowing you up and interrupting you and stuff. No, but, you're uh, straight, bro. Man, like, they're just – they're so – awesome that's all that's all i gotta say about them they're just yeah, awesome they're, they're phenomenal phenomenal little steeds so um yeah again we appreciate our sponsors for for helping us out and keeping this show going now uh, it looks like he's getting on the line right now he's connecting to audio so as soon as he's dialed in we'll start chatting with john i want to make sure we um yeah, well, let's touch upon. We'll 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 get to the other stuff later. We got John Kaczynski on the line right now. John, how are you? Good afternoon. How are you guys doing back there? Oh, we're doing we're doing well. We're doing well, man. We're we're excited to get you on the show. Uh, let's uh, there's a lot to talk about, but um, yeah, I, I guess we'll get into kind of we like to get into some of the amateur stuff a little bit. Growing up, how you got started, where you kind of cut your teeth at, and and maybe some of the um, the other riders that you competed with coming up through the amateur stuff. Well, first of all, Corey, I would like to let you know that I have followed your podcast series, um, I believe, since you started, or at least I know, I think your first sponsor was an insurance company with Mike Hacker. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, so I followed, you know, most of the podcast and, you know, it's easy to see why your roster of sponsors is growing because you do a great job. And you've given me an opportunity to learn more about the sport and about other people that I didn't know. And I just want to thank you for that. Ah, man, that's, that's really humbling. (laughs) That's, uh, that's awesome. Thank you. Thanks for the support, man. I I really appreciate it. I'm, we talked about it before you came on, but we're me and Rob, we're big fans of you. We were just talking about your, uh, your Grand Prix career a little bit, World Superbike, things like that, but more so, you know, after you've done all that, after you were a world champ, you came back and just been just hammering out grassroots flat track races. Uh, 
tons of cool videos of you racing you're just having fun and a lot of respect for that that's something you don't see with a lot of these guys so yeah we appreciate you and uh yeah what how did it all start for you though like what what got you into this whole whole gig well Corey, i think like you know most kids you kind of start out in the front yard and then you find a couple of trees to make a circle and you know, you start racing around the front yard and then it just sort of takes off from there. But I was very fortunate that my father, uh, you know, he rode, raced motorcycles as an amateur. And, uh, you know, he had a Triumph and BSA dealership um, when they were still in business. And so, and matter of fact, today he still has his repair shop there in Little Rock, Arkansas, that he still is going strong today and occasionally will do a race or two. So, um, you know, without his support, I never could have you know, literally got out of my front yard. So, uh, you know, I have to thank my dad for everything he did for me to help me. But, um, but, you know, I came through at a time where there were a lot of good riders and, and, you know, like on the West coast, you know, you had, you know, Chris Carr, you had, uh, Doug and Kurt Chandler, Winky Faridas. Um, you had some guys from Southern California. They had all those Michigan guys, the Atherton's, um, you had the rotors from Ohio. Um, you had, um, there was a kid, uh, Randy Turbot out of Illinois that was really fast. Then you had the whole Texas bunch. I mean, there were just so many amateurs at that time. I mean, you went, when you went to the nationals, it was, it was pretty stacked. So, you know, I had gone to the mini bike nationals, uh, in 78, 79. Um, and, uh, I think the best I ever finished was third um, in the nationals, but, um, but no flat track is, I mean, I, I'd like to tell everybody it's, it's legitimately the foundation of American racing. And it's something that uh, I enjoy a lot and without it, I, I never could have made it to where I made it. That's, uh, that's incredible. Hey, uh, this is Rob, Robbie Bobby, by the way, and it's, uh, it's a pleasure talking to you. Actually, I sat down and I had no idea who it was, but uh um, the coverts are apparently friends with your father and I just was BSing with some old man talking triumphs and stuff and like man you really know your stuff he's like yeah and I was like holy shit he was t- he told me who his son was and I was like well damn that's that, <laughs> that makes the conversation even better because like you were just saying he's just a normal good dude and uh that's that's pretty awesome man the um so uh, man so so many so many questions so little time man i just i feel like we should just keep you on all day long but i know you got other shit to do too <laughs> no but robbie i want to tell you something man i've i've watched you know yourself and and i know perhaps i haven't met you but even like Corey, i don't think i've ever personally met but you know you guys are flat trackers and it's like i've known you for 50 years i don't need to meet you i already know you and uh right uh but i will tell you you know i i see sometimes where things you post on there about you know you being an asshole i'm thinking man this guy's not an asshole and i said he just he's a flat track fanatic and i tell you what you do for the sport you know i follow all the you know as many posts as i can i see you're always putting up money for these classes putting on these races you know the ohio pushing the cushion thing that you're doing i mean it's absolutely wonderful and uh, 
And, and I have to tell you, I remember watching you do that burnout. I think it was in the Meadowlands after you and Dalton had won that championship. And you had, <laughs> yeah. and you had the front of that bike against the taco truck. And I thought, how, fit, how fitting, man, the Bull Taco King doing a burnout <laughs> against the taco truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Looking back on that, I mean, it was just – it was fun and everything. And, and I think unofficially there's a couple new AFT rules that might as well be called the, the Robbie and Dalton rules because – um, they were they were less than excited about my helmet off backwards wheelie down the track slash burnout in the grandstands. But you know what? We just won a Grand National Championship, the first one ever for this kid too. And I don't give a shit. I'll, I'll, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You know, I'll happily take a, a ban. You know, if my kid wins another championship, even if it's against Corey, you're going to see some craziness because you know we like to have fun, and that's all it's about. Well, no, see, you guys are talking to the right guy. Listen, I agree with you. And I tell you from what I feel from the flat track, like the true fan base, they love that kind of stuff. And you guys should be allowed to do that because otherwise, you know, everybody's just sort of imagine going to a short track race. and It's all kind of in line and there's no passing. It's not very exciting. But, you know, you guys there being the characters and putting on the show, I mean, that's what people go to the races for. You know, besides the racing, they like to see all this other activity. And, and like I say, what you guys have done, it's, um, you know, I feel honored to be here to talk to you. You know, I, I, I appreciate you guys, what you've done. And, and it's amazing how much support you, you've given, you know, and watching Corey help all these amateurs trying to make it to the nationals and things like that. That's, I mean, that is very respectable. Well, yeah, I think I speak for Corey man. and myself both that the pleasure is ours you know it, it really is and um you know as much as Corey's done with like you said the amateur stuff it's it's kind of like it, i'll speak for myself because I'm, I'm sure Corey's got his own opinion on it too but uh I, I was very fortunate similar situation my dad's a motorcycle shop and my parents were very uh supportive of my racing i was never your talent or Corey's talent or any of the other guys i sure tried my hardest but um but i just i, I had always good opportunities and not everybody's got that so if i have the opportunity now to help out just like you know if Corey's has the opportunity to get his sponsorship and his stuff to help out amateurs then that's what it's all about man because you know i i enjoy watching these kids race just as much as i like racing so that's that's a thing for me but well, I'll let Corey. <laughs> maybe if this is any consolation i can tell you i became a fan of yours like i'm telling you when i saw that burnout and just you, know, you guys work so hard <laughs> And I tell you, you know, somebody coming from, from, you know, like legitimately from Little Rock where in my front yard to making it to a world stage, you know, a lot of people don't understand the, the work ethic and the effort and the time. And, and it, it's, it's, it's mind boggling what it takes to make it. And what you guys did that year, just, you know, essentially what it looked like to me, just kind of getting some bikes and making it to all the rounds and pull that championship off. That was, that was awesome. Yeah, well, we we sent a a thank you card to uh, to Wells Fargo because we we legitimately raced the Banks bike that year. <laughs> well, that I know was, you know what I, I mean that, too. <laughs> yeah, no, I know, but you guys, like you said, I I love it. I like your show. I like Corey's podcast. You know, you guys aren't into the you know. You guys want to get some guys on that are really talk the beef. You know, not just kind of that you know everybody in line following the leader kind of thing it's fun oh yeah man. no no we're gonna we're well, gonna throw some heat at you in a little bit don't worry i, I, was gonna <laughs> I say, love it i love it rob it's funny that people talk about your burnout more than uh 
they talk about from that race more than the the premier twins class because obviously the track sucked they did like six laps um your burnout is talked about the most from that whole event so dude i can i can still hear dave mcgrath telling me the cops are looking for me i shit you not man i'm like like oh my gosh like what like i I would have happily sat in jail in new jersey just smiling my number one shirt on my my bell helmet championship award it was totally worth it i would do it again in a heartbeat and i'll tell michael Locke and all the guys that i love afc guys a lot we would have bailed uh, you out we would have bailed i know oh can you imagine like how many of you would have came to the the jail to bail me out like i would have had like a whole coalition there (laughs) well it was hey listen it was awesome and like you say you know that's what that's what you know i think perhaps you guys might agree because maybe the two of you are more similar to how i am but you know people want to see some action you know it's like you know, the world's not perfect every day and the bike's not perfect and, 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 you know, everything's just not smooth every day. And people like to really, you know, understand the dynamics of it. And, but a lot of people are too afraid and to say much. And, you know, there you have it. Yeah. Well, and then there's us just trying to spice it up a bit and wanted to, um, I, I kind of was curious, man. And I know every rider was different during your era. Um, but, I guess you started flat tracking, right? Is that, is that what you started? And how did the, like, how was the transition from, from dirt to pavement or how did, like, what did you, what made you decide kind of the chase, chase more of a career on the pavement? Was it opportunity or or how did that all, like your decision, how did that happen? Well, uh, that's a great question. And here's how it happened. It was 1980. um, And I was sort of getting burned out. Um, you know, and that's when, when the night frames really became popular and the red engine Hondas and, and things like that came about and, and we really didn't have the money to, to purchase, you know, that type of equipment. Um, and a lot of the, you know, the good, the good guys that were coming through, they either had sponsors or, you know, parents that had more money. And, and so they were able to purchase all that. So it kind of, you know, I kind of lost interest. And at that time, my dad said, Hey, let's, you know, let's try road racing. So we took a, um, uh, a YZ 80 and we put the 16 inch Carlisle tire on the front and a, and a, like a Pirelli, uh, 14 inch tire on the back. And we went to Texas and tried road racing. Um, and I ended up, you know, winning a few classes the first time out and, and it was, we had a lot of fun. It was pretty cool. So that's kind of what started it all, man. That is that's I, I don't know I just I can't get over how badass it is that you know another world champion like loves flat track you know because you see like Rossi everybody knows Rossi the guy's ranch and you see um you know obviously everybody knows Nikki Hayden and and from a personal standpoint I know that you love flat track because I've I've literally right click saved pictures of your Rotax because I'm a, I'm a diehard Rotax guy like I'll you cut me open you'll bleed little Rotax belts but, uh, but well, I tell man, you what, just, that means, man. hey, listen, that means you're going to throw some rocks at, at Corey because I think it was last year I just built a new Rotax and I designed all my the internal components for the engine. Uh, we oh. did a lot of testing, oh. designed my own cams, things like that. And we were ready to go testing. And actually, I called the guy from G&G because we, I wanted to go to Paris when they went and uh Corey couldn't make it out so i didn't get to run the rotax damn it Corey! 
They didn't ever. What a piece of shit you are, Corey. <laughs> Bro, they didn't tell me. They didn't tell me none of that. So. Uh, I hope you're they, happy with yourself. It's kind of funny. You guys love Rotexes. I, I hate. I hate them. I, I I can't ride Rotex, man. It's just like I don't know. It, it it's like an error thing. I think like a lot of guys love the Rotex, and I thought I liked the XR750 until I started riding these parallel twins and. People probably think I'm crazy, but I'd rather ride a parallel twin um, than uh, than an XR at this point. So, well, um, there's two. Yeah, people give me shit about me. I just can't ride a Rotex. I've never. I've always sucked riding them. Like I don't know. Well, there's two well, types I'll of people. I'll tell you people. something. Hey, I'll tell you something, Corey. You'll be jealous about is my buddy Jim Bandolin actually owns the Buell Blast. Oh yeah. That your grand that your grandfather, I think, and your father built. And I think he said it was your first amateur bike, but it was. he just raced that thing out at Willow Springs. So matter of fact, I, I got Jim set up with some carburetors and I'm going to go down and see him next week. You know, one of them for that Buell Blast and one for his TT500. I'd rather ride the Buell than that Rotex. Um, those Buells, people, people make fun of them, but man, that was the best handling probably single i've ever rode in my life it was so slow and so heavy it you did it did not feel any rut on the racetrack you could just plow through it i was like 90 pounds when i rode that thing and i actually have the twin sister of that bike sitting um it's actually at hannam's harley davidson a harley shop on display but i'll never sell that that bike um yeah and i know jim like we talk quite a bit that's that's pretty cool that he still rides that bike that was my grandpa texas full-time job man i'd blow that thing up on the weekend pretty much every weekend i'd blow one up and he'd come home and he'd fix it i remember when he passed away i went through his cabinets uh in his race shop area and he had probably 20 uh pistons with like valves stuck through like it was just yeah it was a full-time job but those are really good handling bikes and uh yeah your wood rotex uh if, if that's the one you still have that thing is that thing's really really nice um what did you build that from scratch well you know i you know i i built a lot of my own chassis and so much so many components and things because you know flat track racing is i mean it always leaves you scratching your head um and i know i've said this before but you know you go out in the practice session and you can be so fast and everything is perfect. And you go out in the next session and you're asking yourself if you even rode a motorcycle before. That dirt can change and your whole program can go upside down really quick. Yeah. Um, so it's always, you know, I'm always searching for a way to find a, a combination that, you know, where you can just get that edge of, of, of rear traction more than everybody else because ultimately in the end, it's not the fastest lap that wins. It's the fastest average. That's exactly right. So um, I want to move on to one of my favorite segments. And actually, I put a post out there for some people. So I've got some good follow-ups for you. But yep. um, there's so many people that are, are fans of yours. And I have you know little forums I'm on. But my one of my favorite segments is called, Man, Fuck That Guy. So, And obviously, it's probably going to be more world championship because you had some rivalries. I know everybody's familiar, but... Was there anybody in particular, you know, I'll use the same example that if he came over and he was on fire, like walking down the pits on fire, you wouldn't even piss on him. Like, is there somebody that, man, just fuck that guy? You know, Robbie, the interesting thing about that is the timing of when I came through, you know, like there were guys 
you know, five years ahead of me and the other guys were like five years under me. So it wasn't like I came through where, you know, like when you see like when, with Wayne and Schwantz, you know, they battled each other. Then you had, you know, like Lawson and Gardner, they battled. But there was nobody really like my age that was, I guess that I had like a real, you know, battle with, you know, through, you know, a long period of time. Um, so, but, you know, I didn't go to the races to make friends. You know, racing was a job and I just never could understand how people could laugh and socialize with each other. And 10 minutes later, they might be taking the guy out. You know, I just, you know, mentally that was that was hard for me to 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 do that. So I pretty much just stayed to myself and and, you know, focused on the job. And like you said, the racing was was, um, you know, I took it pretty serious and I wasn't there to make any friends. That's for sure. Man, that's that's actually awesome to to hear that straight from your mouth because I think Corey and myself can kind of agree on some things. Like, and and I don't have any bad things to say about the guys, but you know, there's so many racers right now that you know they they race on the track and then immediately afterwards they're like hugging and buddy buddy, and it's like, man, I, I was always like, man, I I didn't hate anybody, but I wasn't ever good enough to have like a championship rival, but. But uh, sometimes I always wonder, like, man, are you really giving 110% on the track if you know that that's, like, one of your buds? Like, I don't know. I, I, I always – I don't know. I, I didn't have a lot of good friends on the track, I guess, similar to I you think, on a smaller scale. I think this is what you guys are looking for, and I've got a, I think I've got a good example. And it wasn't an individual. It was a motorcycle. An NSR 250 Honda in that late 80s, early 90s that motorcycle i hated it i hated anyone who rode them and during that time period i remember in france that uh you know because engineers you know they're all scattered around the racetracks and especially if your bike broke down you know you could get some hrc guy over there photographing you know the swing arm pivot and things like that or the you know the head angle or whatever because they want to find out what you know other companies are doing and I remember in France, it had to be about 100 degrees and my bike seized in practice. And I hated Honda in those bikes so bad. I pushed that YZR250 about two miles back and pushed it the wrong way down the pit lane, got penalized because I refused to leave it to where anybody from Honda could get near it. <laughs> that is awesome. That is, that's badass. So... And I'm talking like when you would pull out for practice, I would pull in there on that YZR. And if there was a guy on a Honda, I'd, I'd elbow the guy. I just hated him that much. Now that motorcycle, I despised it. And I would, it would not bother me at all to, you know, to move the guy out of the way or, or, or knock him out of the, whatever it was. I just hated them. And it was because they were so fast that, um, you know, it's, it's, to give you guys a real perspective, it would be like on a 450 on a mile and the guy behind you is on a factory Indian 750. And how oh, fast wow. do you think that, how fast do you think that that Indian 750 would pass the 450 down the straight? Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. I get it completely. So let me ask you this then. So since we're on the, the GP style bikes, one of my favorite looking bikes you ever rode and I, I, I want, I know you're gonna give me your honest opinion anyway, but was that Kajiva a pile of shit or was it pretty badass? Let me tell you what about the Kajiva. Oh yeah. Here we go. The, the, give it the, to me. The, the Castiglione brothers, John Franco and Claudio, they 
were like, they were beyond a pot of gold. Those guys had the heart and soul. I mean, racing was in their blood. That's why that bike was red because it matched the color of their blood. And they threw everything at that, but the kitchen sink. And they were so awesome to be with, to ride with. And we finally got the bike to where, you know, it was competitive, but we still, it still lacked the power needed. But, um, but man, the enthusiasm, you know, from the Castleones and also all the team members, it was, it was, a, it was a sad day when they had to pull out at the end of 94. It really was. It, it was, um, those guys tried so hard and we made that bike pretty good. And I won a couple Grand Prix on it, you know, like legitimate Grand Prix in the drive yeah. with all the players. Yeah. That's, that's what's even more incredible. So, I mean, granted they don't have probably Honda's budget stuff, but you did a lot with that motorcycle. Now, of course it looks like a work of art and everything. And, and actually you had a, a certain teammate, if I recall correctly, that went on to be a pretty decent superbike rider too, but you kind of paddled his ass left and right. Didn't you? An Who Australian dude, Australian, oh, uh, uh, Matt Maladin. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well here, listen, I'm going to, here's the real story about this whole thing. <laughs> now, you know, here it is, you know, I, I had signed with Suzuki, uh, in the beginning of the year, which I have no clue why that ever happened, but it did. And, um, you know, that was not a good deal. And so I got out of there and Kajiba had come and, you know, wanted me to ride the bike. And so we went to Barcelona uh, to do a test and you know at the time Doug and and Maladin were riding for him so um, we did the test and you know they had the bike set up you know what I thought you know, it didn't work for me so we moved the engine around swing arm pivot and got it going pretty good and we actually went around there with standard Michelins you know and the good Michelins were definitely a second to a second and a half quicker than the standard ones but all we had were the standard tires and we went around there and lapped at what the pole position time was that year in the Grand Prix. So the guys were ecstatic. And now, you know, come on, we want you to race in Brno. So, you know, I just show up in Brno and, you know, the Castiglione's took one of Maladin's bikes away from him. So I'd have two bikes, but, you know, I had no control over that. So suddenly, you know, Maladin and Chandler all teed off at me, but, I, hey, what did I do? I just showed up to do a job. You know, it's not, I don't control, you know, whose bikes are whose. <laughs> no. Yeah. You, you get paid to show up and race it at 110% and well, fuck the rest. It's kind of funny too, because you only rode that bike. I, I remember looking at this earlier and you only rode that bike, I think three or four races. Maladin rode it for a whole a full season and you beat him in the points. Um, you know, it, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You rode that bike really well. I did see that you you won one of your first couple races on that on that motorcycle. I was gonna I was gonna talk to you about that a little bit, but when now you kind of mention it, there was a lot of during your era. There was a lot of Americans that were um, were in the at the Grand Prix level, and it's not really you know. Well, I guess this year it's getting better, you know. But you know how was I think we asked this to I forget who we asked this to just recently, maybe Chandler, but um did you guys sort of band together like team usa did you kind of share in i mean how was that compared to racing the you know the people that weren't from the u.s like you know was it did you want to beat the other u.s usa riders more or wasn't that really on your radar well you know when i first went over there of course it was with kenny and um 
you know, I had, you know, Kenny had, when I had first moved to California, you know, to, to train and ride at his ranch, um, you know, he, um, and you guys did the podcast with Kenny um, a few weeks ago. But, you know, Kenny is, um, you know, he's kind of an all-American guy, and he's not afraid to tell you that, you know, he's proud to be an American. And, you know, that's kind of how I am. You know, I was, I, you know, I, I was all-American, and I wasn't afraid to tell you if you asked me. So, you know, some people didn't like that, but, you know, I just tried to do the best for the country, and I didn't really think about, you know, any other riders. I just wanted to win for America. You know, that was the big thing. Well, that's badass. Point blank. That is that is fucking awesome. <laughs> that's I, I love that. Hey, hey, John. Actually, uh, guess who just walked in over here and he gave you a huge thumbs up because he he loves your Rotax also. Is uh, Go Time is sitting right next to me right now and he said to tell you what's up. Oh man, you tell him. Hey, I'm, I I watch I watch you guys all the time and like you say, Robbie, you've put a a lot of effort into helping him and it's it's you know i i just i see a lot of myself because you know i grew up with nothing and and nobody would help you and you're just scrapping for your life to try to you know do what you can and and watching what you guys have done is like you said you know i'm a real fan of you guys and i enjoy to watch you and i try to follow everything that i can you know so i can keep up what are your uh what's up man hey it's uh it's dalton (laughs) hey man how are you doing uh pretty good how about you uh, great man i i uh i did see a few videos where uh i think was didn't you win that hundred lap or something at robbie's track oh probably i don't know uh, uh you guys are always beating up on each other back there oh yeah yep no that that's really cool man it's really cool but uh like i say i um i guess you guys are getting ready for the atlanta tt here pretty soon yeah for sure we were just doing some asphalt testing yesterday so that went pretty good it was fun and uh awesome yeah, so i'm ready to go well good man we're gonna be watching you guys so, and like you say we wish you luck and just stay safe and you hopefully know, just, you're not just... too ready to go bro hopefully you know what uh, i mean like oh i'm ready to go Corey. something light dude take her easy <laughs> <laughs> all right man but, all right <laughs> see you dog yeah. uh john yeah, <laughs> no you're yep. good that's awesome man um there was a couple of things I kind of wanted to ask you, like you, you follow the sport right now, the, the, obviously you're a big fan of American flat track, which is awesome. What are your thoughts on the, like the three classes, the kind of the, the top riders in the super twins? Like um, what are your thoughts on like the direction everything's going right now on AFT? Well, here's what I think, you know, flat track racing is like you say, it's like the foundation of, of, of America. It's like, it's in our it's in our dna and and flat track racing is what has um has uh you know has developed a lot of the guys that came through and became you know world champion you know in europe but but um i think that i think that uh the when they made this transition you know to this new setup to where they have this super twins can you guys hear me yeah, I can hear you. I think some it was on Rob's Rob's end, but yeah, you're good. Yeah, that's my bad. Go ahead. Sorry about that. No, but I just think that the, you know, when they made this new transition to where you know no more vans and and you know so on and so forth, I think what's happened is that transition was too abrupt. Like they needed to like maybe take one more step, and the problem is is when you have like your loyal fan base 
you know, let's just say you have 5,000, you know, people. Well, you know, you can't really start pissing off the 5,000 people unless you've got 20,000 that are kicking the door down wanting to come in. So I think the transition was too abrupt. And I think it kind of teed off a lot of the, you know, the, I don't know if you want to call them old timers, but just, you know, a lot of the, uh, the true flat track people. Um, and especially when you take stories, even like my own, you know, coming through, just trying to do what you could, no help trying to make it, you know, there's no room for that now in, in AFT. Um, so it would have just been nice to maybe see a little softer transition from what it used to be to what it is now. Um, and maybe been a little bit more user friendly to the riders, you know, to be able to put programs together to compete. Oh, hundred percent. I really liked how you described that. Like the, um, the, you know, you don't want to piss off your 5,000 unless you have 20,000 coming in, you know? So it's, I get, I get the idea behind it and I'm not against the idea, but I, th I think there is a better way of, and there is a better way of, of, uh, of going about it. I still hate, um, I wouldn't say I hate, I strongly dislike the buy-in right now for super twins. Obviously it's, it hasn't gone super awesome. And it's a shame for, for our grids to be so small because it kind of takes away from the talent of the guys I'm racing with and the guys at the top level. Like I don't think Briar and some of those guys are getting the respect they deserve with their talent because they're, they're only racing 12 other people. But it's like if a hundred others lined up with those 12 guys, you know, those 12 guys that are out there now would still probably be in the top 20. Um, you know, it's just, there's not a lot of people to, um, complete those grids and it's, um, yeah, it's one of them things. And I, I was, yeah, I was just kind of, you know, from, from, a, for, well, here, you know, here, here's another one too, to perhaps, uh, uh, support your, your statement. And that is, see, a lot of people don't know this, but if I went to, you know, cause they want to always compare, oh, let's make flat track, like, you know, MotoGP, but what a lot of people don't understand is in MotoGP, you would be shocked if you knew how many of those teams were being subsidized by Dorna. And yep. if Dorna said, okay, no more money for anybody, let me tell you what, you'd have 12 MotoGP guys out there running around. And, yep. you, you know, if, if, okay, I understand Michael Locke's position. He wants to take it this way, but okay. So for the first three years, we're going to subsidize, you know, 10 teams so that we can bring in 20 extra riders in this twins class. So you have to make an investment to hold, to raise the platform, to give everybody a shot at it. And then after so many years, you would hope that guys could attract sponsors and start bringing money in to where they can kind of get going on their own. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more. And a lot of people don't know that about Dorna and all their subsidizing of teams. I mean, I know, I think there's at least two teams on the Ducatis and then maybe one of the, um, um, the Honda satellite teams were getting, you know, large checks from what I've, I, I've been told, you know, I'm not there to see them write the checks physically, but, um, you know, it, it's definitely a very real thing, but, you know, unfortunately we're the whole AFT budget is probably the size of the Thursday press conference for MotoGP. <laughs> Yeah, but you know, the thing is, I mean, I, I, I hear that, but you know, the bottom line is, is you gotta, you know, like you say, that transition that they made was, I just think was too abrupt. And I think it, it, you know, teed off a lot of the fan base. And, and also what's even worse is it, it eliminated a lot of the top guys, you know, it, it you just can't, 
you know, it's just like if you live in a in a five hundred thousand dollar house, you know, you don't move from that to a twenty million dollar mansion. You know, you gotta, you know, it, there's a process you gotta go through. So, I just think that that, um, you know, but but I will say, there's so many things, you know, relating to Dorna and MotoGP, and and there's some I do know there's subsidizing going on, but you would be shocked if you really knew how much was going on and some of that you'll never know because it would never come to light but trust me there's so much government stuff going on over there it's you know i think you'll we'll, never know I think, but. We'll, I think what we're seeing too john and with uh you got me thinking the wheels turning a bit um with the premier class on flat track right now i think the counts are so low because the young riders they can f- make a living in the singles class right now mm-hmm. there's no reason for them to move up and especially you know move up and spend all that money on a buy-in like people can't buy an Indian and then two Indians and then pay, pay to race the series. Um, all the budget, all the travel, it's a quarter million a year easily. Um, thing when they can make money in the singles, you know, they can get the same amount of attention. They can, uh, they can make a career in the singles. And then the older riders, you know, the Brian Smith's, the, the, the Jake Johnson's, I mean, they're not much older than me, but I'm just speaking how it is. Those guys, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, it sucks. They're not racing. It's like, well, yeah, they're going to do select events. I'm not sure what Jake's doing, but they're also, you know, mid to late thirties. So, um, how many mid to late 30 year old guys actually race, you know, you know, it consistently. So yeah, the, the, the other guy, you know, the older guys that have been in the premier class, they're kind of retiring. And then the younger guys, they're either stepping up to production or they're not just simply moving up. So it's, it's one of them things, man. It's, it's interesting. You got, you, you got my wheels turning a little bit, uh, thinking of some ways that we can maybe kind of move forward and, and help, help that go. But, um, well, I mean, look at if, if, you know, if you're going to buy a, a championship, like what DMG's done, um, you, you know, that's to me, that's called an investment. And we all know, I mean, I mean, I, Robbie Bobby would know he has a dealership and a business. He has to invest money in the business to get it to grow. And it just seems like DMG is not making much of an investment to, you know, example, like the subsidizing, helping out a few teams to get on their feet. And it, it's like, it's, I, I don't understand why I, I don't. Um, it just seems odd. You know, it's almost like, well, why would you buy the championship if you you're not going to put money into it to actually make it grow? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, definitely a little bit above my pay grade. I mean, I've got I've got my own thoughts, and a lot of them align with yours, and a lot of them align with Corey's, and some of them align with with AFT and DMG. Um, I, I I certainly am not too proud to admit I don't have the the answers, but. Um, I would like to, uh, to move forward onto something that makes me smile. And that is your, uh, your two stroke framer. Can we, can you, can we shift gears real quick and just, no problem. I need to know, what about I, need it? To know <laughs> I need to know what framing is. I need to know what, like, you don't have to tell me the port timing and stuff like that, but what is that thing? Because there's so many people that have seen it. It's almost like they've seen it or heard about it, but I've never seen it in person. So it's like a unicorn to me other than. God, I love it. I don't even know what it, it might. It might be a pile of shit. It might be amazing, but I swear to you, I would almost give my lung for one of that. Well, it's uh, it, it's it's either feared or mesmerized, either one. But uh, <laughs> you know, as I as I mentioned to you guys earlier, that uh, you know we didn't have the money to you know to buy a night frame and 
by all the Cosman wheels and the Fox shocks and the Cosman clamps and, you know, Honda engine. We, we just didn't have the funds to do that. And that's at a time when I had when started uh, road racing. Um, but, um, but I tell you, you know, I always wanted one of those Hondas and, um, you know, here we go. It wasn't until I was, you know, through with racing that, um, I finally got one and, um, you know, that bike is, it's one of the most amazing things I've ever ridden. Uh, you know, the, the chassis, the main, main part of the chassis is a knight, you know, you know, we, we built the swing arm, um, and of course the engine is, is, uh, you know, the magic from Bud Axlin and, you know, that speaks volumes right there. But, uh, um, no, when no, you say you, it, sorry, hold on. Let me interrupt real quick. Don't mean to be rude, but I'm, I'm an asshole. Like we know, but when you say you built your own swing, I'm like, so you, John Cassins, you, you are also a fabricator. And in addition to a badass racer, you actually build your own stuff too, then. Well, I'm the one, I mean, I come up with the ideas. I know what I want done. Um, but I actually, um, uh, have a guy that does all the work, the physical work for me. Okay. Um, because, um, I'm too meticulous and I probably couldn't do it good enough. So, um, uh, but no, the guy, Andy takes care of all the bikes. As a matter of fact, those bikes, uh, both the Honda and the Rotax are his shop and, even if I want to go racing, those bikes, wherever they go, if he's not there, those bikes are not there. So um, they never leave that shop without Andy. Wow. All right. So real quick, just because looking at these bikes, who is Andy? And we need to give him a quick shout out because these are two of the bikes that are most lusted after by most flat track framer fans. So, I mean, shout out to Andy, but who, who is Andy? Did he, he have a shot? Yeah, Andy have- is, uh, yeah, no, Andy, uh, Andy Bondio, he, um, um, you know, he's, a uh, has a shop there in Torrance, uh, actually not too far from American Honda. And he does a lot of fabrication work, but he doesn't do any work for the public. He just does, you know, he probably has maybe 10 customers that, you know, he works privately for and, uh, so his shop is not open to the public or, you know, no one could ever, you know, get in there. Um, and I was actually lucky. Uh, I met him through Mike Libby, who was CR Axtell's partner. And, um, uh, and I know Mike very well, you know, Mike is the one that we work with pretty exclusively with designing all the cams and, and Rotax stuff. We but, just talked uh, about him but, with, uh, Randy Goss, right, Rob? Did Randy Goss just yeah, up? Yep, yeah, that's what I thought. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I know Mike. Yeah. I know Mike really well. And, you know, I talk to him every other week and, uh, um, but yeah, he, uh, uh, if it wasn't for Andy, you know, he's the one that allowed me to get back into flat track racing and actually ride, um, you know, because coming back at it, I'm in a different position now. And so the things I couldn't have as a kid are the things that I have now, you know, because, you know, my, what I've done has allowed me to do that. So I'm very fortunate, but also, you know, Andy Bondio has played a huge role in, and, and me riding motor flat track motorcycles again. Well, yeah, I mean, hats off to him. Cause I'm just actually sitting here Googling some pictures too. And I didn't realize, I mean, your Rotax, that's got like carbon fiber belt covers. I mean, that's, this is shit that like nobody's got and, and you've got it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I mean, Rob, I tell you, I, you know, you guys 
I don't know if you know this story or not, but when I had uh, moved to road racing, I had gone to Daytona for the first time. I think it was like 82. And that's the first time that I, um, I you know, I had uh, met Bud Axlin. And, um, um, you know, it's, 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 again, it's one of those things that, like, I never had a night frame Honda, but I have one now. And, you know, I was so inspired by Bud then. And, and just as a 12 year old kid, um, you know, I just, I just knew if I could ride that guy's bikes that I could be champion. And, you know, as, as everything turned out, it just happened that way. And, and Bud and I worked together and, you know, we did what we did, but uh, right now I'm actually, I found one and, and again, it goes back to that time when I met Bud, but I found a, um, a brand new 1985 TZ250 Yamaha in Japan, and I bought it, and I, it had to be the, the steel frame bike, because that's the bike Bud was working on in 82 for, for Jim Felice, and um, if you've, you're, when that thing surfaces, you're going to see something pretty spectacular, because we actually designed our own suspension, you know, we made all, I mean, so many magnesium, you know, we made all, all the fork legs are all magnesium, you know, it's, oh my it's, gosh. it's something that's going to be pretty special because I'm going to go back to Daytona and ride again and take Bud with me. Oh, you got to definitely let us know when you do that. Cause that would be, that would be amazing to see. Corey's not as big. I don't think a road race fan as I am. I mean, I know he loves it, but I've got a lot of the history stuff down and he could, he could slay me in flat track history for sure. But, uh, man, I, I can't wait, especially if it's got the details that your flat track rebuilds have gotten. And I cannot wait to see that. Yeah, no, we, we, like I say, I, I just enjoy, you know, I actually designed my own wheels for my flat track bikes, you know, with a company in Italy and, and I like to, you know, I like to, you know, not so much. And it's not about making stuff that looks nice. I like to go fast. And, you know, we spend a lot of time, you know, testing with it. And there's nothing on that motorcycle that's there that, that doesn't work. Because if it didn't work, I don't want it. Yeah, no, that's that's respectable there. It's, it's that's, that's, um, that, uh, I mean, you, you've been, I think <laughs> you guys have been out to Paris, you know, in California. And uh, that track record that I, I that I set on that 250 Honda I think it's still still the same today I was just going to ask you I have it in my notes is is the is the track record still there which is uh which is crazy because so many fast guys on modern equipment have gone there and uh, you know you're I think the track record's still there well I mean if anybody's listening you guys know uh, any any Paris people uh hit us up and let us know if that track record's still there but yeah on a on a on a 250 two-stroker that's that's wild. That's so cool. Actually, I wanted to bring up too. Um, I I heard from a little birdie man that you tried to get Moto America to let you race a TZ two fifty in the twins class. Oh, well, that you know been- what? Listen, hang on. No, that's <laughs> you know it's funny, and, that, and that's the TZ that I just told you about. It is funny because um, uh, Chuck Axlin, who I've known for a long time and who's been a big part of, of everything I've done, you know, pretty much in my career. And he's helped me, you know, from, from, you know, when I first moved to California, 
he uh I said, well, look, the rules just say it's a twin. It doesn't say it has to be, a, you know, can be a two stroke or four stroke. It just says twin. And he started laughing, you know, and, and, uh, but you know, stuff like that, like you say, just like your program here, your podcast, you know, you guys, you guys want to kind of rub elbows and, you know, stir up the controversy and, and just little things like that would just, you know, that's what people, that's what they like. And people like to see, you know, different things and, and so on and so forth. And that's what it's all about is putting on a show for the people. You know, it's funny too, because I think you'd have, you'd have a whole bunch of the younger generation that would be like, Oh, whatever that, that dude. Yeah. That was back in the day, but I'll tell you, I'll use a perfect example. And it's, it's a personal story too. We were doing this series called the Thruxton cup. And I had, there was a guy that was named Ted Cobb and he was a, one of the lead instructors for the Kevin Schwant school. And he was kind of the hot shot. And then you had your other guys and actually Jay Springsteen was out there too. And, um, I shit you not the triumph factory hired Doug fucking Poland to come and race one of their bikes. And we're like, this guy was 1993 world champion. Like he's freaking like 60 years old. He had like two laps of practice to learn the bike. And he won the fucking race and beat, you know, Ted Cobb, who was the, the hot shot guy who, you know, had Kevin Schwantz on speed dial and shit. And it's like, dude, if you went out there on the TZ 250, not only would you murder everyone, but I mean, you could probably do it on a stock SV with some decent suspension, you know, just cause it's so funny. You don't forget how to ride really, really, really fast. Well, it'll be interesting. <laughs> it'll, it'll be interesting, you know, when we get this thing finished to, to ride it again, but more, more, more the most important thing for me is i just remember standing there in the pit at daytona you know 12 years old watching watching bud work on this bike and i you know for me i have to go back because i thought you know i had no two i mean i'm 12 years old you know i've never ridden a 250 but in my mind I was like, you know, if you let me ride that motorcycle, I bet I could put that in the top 10. And so I'm, but that's just that thought. And I remember it very clear from such a young age. And I want to go back again all these years later and ride just to prove to myself that I could have put that bike in the top 10. Yeah. Well, I'll make you a deal right now. I've got, your first set of tires for the race sponsored by D&D Cycles. So you let me know where to send the check because I would – I'll actually probably – if I don't have a race that we're going to a Dalton and Corey, I'll be there because I would be loving seeing this. And actually, my mom just yelled at me um, for using F-bombs with you. So I have to apologize for her. If you could hear her in the background, she's getting on to me <laughs> saying don't drop F-bombs. So. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, that's what I say. You know, your guys' show, it's, it's, it's a classic, you know. And trust me, hey – I, I grew up around all that. So that's not a problem. <laughs> I, I want to ask you, man, uh, you got the, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, but you got to train at the ranch. Uh, I want to hear about the battles with Wayne and Eddie and Kenny. What was, what were those battles like at the, uh, at the ranch? Is it kind of like, you know, like Michael Jordan, he always talks about his best ever games were like the practice games during like when they won the dream team, all that shit. But what, what was that, those battles like, all you guys over at the ranch? Well, that's a great question. And I think you're going to enjoy the answer. Um, first off, you know, when I first went there, um, you know, I, I've, I've thought about that, you know, quite a bit. And 
I'm lucky to be alive right now, to be quite honest with you. <laughs> when I think about all the things that, that went down up there and the things that we did, um, but, I, but I will tell you, you know, I probably spent more time there than anybody. And there's a lot of people that'll say, oh yeah, you know, Kenny did this or Kenny did that. But I can tell you straight up that if you didn't have like, bucket loads of talent or ability you know Kenny wasn't going to give you the time of day and he just wasn't and to know Kenny well you'd have to know his parents and and I knew his parents very well and um he um he didn't help so many people like a lot of people think and I'm very fortunate because I was probably the only guy that he actually spent that much time with like on a motorcycle, handlebar to handlebar, fender to fender, uh, you know, through the course of those years. And, you know, because Wayne, Wayne and Eddie lived in Southern California, you know, and I was up there in Modesto. So I was pretty much there every day. But, you know, Kenny, he spent a lot of time with me and a lot like personal, like riding time. Yeah. Um, you know, just spending time with him in the shop, things like that. And I don't think he spent that kind of time with anyone else. I really don't. I didn't see it. Um, and just because you went to the ranch and road doesn't mean, you know, he was there really helping you. But he helped me a lot. He, he, you know, I think he saw a lot of himself in me. And I think he, I mean, he helped me a lot. That's all I can say. That's uh, that's just absolutely epic. I mean, imagine not saying it's bragging, but just we we'll use that term. Imagine being able to brag that you know Kenny Roberts was your freaking mentor. And man, there's there's probably guys that want to stab you for just knowing that that you got that opportunity. But clearly, it it paid off. I mean, it was not wasted, and that's even more impressive. You know, because there's lots of people I'm sure that could have taken an opportunity and be like, eh, yeah, whatever, it was cool, but. But the racing, you know, to, to answer, maybe to answer your question a little more accurate, it was so competitive. And, you know, when it was Wayne and Eddie and myself and Kenny, um, it, it was, you know, we were so out of control that it was trying to understand a way how to be comfortable with constantly seeing jesus christ and having white knuckles <laughs> we, were, we were we were that they were we, we were always that far i mean i remember one time i ripped like four or five spokes out of the front wheel of my xr 100 on kenny's clutch lever um <laughs> it was it was i mean it was there was like you said we were it's kind of fine. You think about it, you go, wow, you know, people think, oh, I'm going to ride in the winter. I'm going to get ready for the season. The problem is when you ride in the winter, that's when you have to be literally out of control at all times because you're having to push your limit to a higher level. And I can tell you, we were out of control, like totally out of control on the edge of disaster. And that's what made us what we were. No, I, I get it. I get it 110% because at a much smaller scale, you know, training with Dalton and Brandon Kitchen and some of the other boys on XR100s here. At, actually, Corey's been to my track too. I promise you that every single person that lines up on an XR100 
it might as well be a world championship event because (laughs) nobody wants to get beat. And it's, we've had some of our worst wrecks on 100s and it's just part of it. But moving along here, um, another segment I like to do, and I'm, you got to have one. I hope you have one because I'm excited to hear the answer, but I need to know what the biggest pile of shit you ever rode was like a bike that you're like, man, get me off this thing. I, you don't pay me enough to ride it. This thing sucks. I don't care what it is, but what's your number one bike that you hated? It would have to be that Suzuki 250. The Suzuki 250. Now, can we be more specific? This is the GP bike, right? Yeah. The, yeah. yeah the, 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 it was a nice, yeah, Lucky Strike. And I rode it for just part of the season in 93. And like you said, it was, I don't even know why I was there, to be honest with you. It was, um, and that's when I had um, actually separated from the management company. And you had some podiums that, on that, it. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, the thing is, Corey, is these guys, you know, everything is promised. Everything is supposed to be right, supposed to be there. And so, but like you said, I don't know why I just finished third in the 500 world championship. And why am I in the 250 class again? It was, it was strange, but Hey, it is what it is. And, but it was nothing had come through and there was no development there. And that thing was, it was going nowhere. And I, I just, um, it just wasn't a good fit. That's all. Yeah. What? So it just didn't fit you well. I mean, was it slow? Did it handle like shit? No, Did you have to just, override it? Well, here's one of the problems. One, it was slow. Two, um, it had some type of elect, elect, electronic problem that it, the power valves would just close down. So example, you know, at the start of the race, you'd go to take off and it's like, it only has one cylinder. So if you notice most of the time, the starts, I'm at the end of the, end of the, you know, the tail end of the pack trying to work my way through all these people. And it, and the bike was just slow and it, there, there was no way. And like you said, you know, when I, when I got off of it, no one else could even come close to getting the results that we did, but it, it just was, you know, I mean, it was, it was just a, 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 a situation that should have never happened. Yeah. Gotcha. No, that's, that's, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, we've, everybody's got those instances and I think, um, you know, that's a, that's a very fair answer. I was, I mean, I, I still, I mean, as bad as it was, like you, like Corey said, you still got some podiums on it. So that, that, so clearly overriding the shit out of it probably to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that was not, um, it was, it was not, not, there was nothing fun about it. And it was, uh, it was, it was just good to honestly get out of there. And, and when I got on the Kajiva, it was like, you know, it was back home, you know? Yeah. No, I like it. I, um, a couple more questions here. We'll do our final segment and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll let you get going, but, um, I like to kind of ask, um, uh, the, the Mount Rushmore question, like, and, and we'll do it. We'll, we'll spin it differently. Usually it's, I like to ask like, who's on your Mount Rushmore flat track racing, but who's on your Mount Rushmore of, uh, like American racers, um, you know, like road racing, um, uh, like Grand Prix road racing, things like that. Like best Mount Rushmore of American road racers. Who, who would you have on yours? Well, when you say, but like what time period are you referring to? Pretty much any time period. You got to pick four guys to put on your Mount Rushmore of American racing, like road racing. Um, you can go, you can go back pre Kenny Roberts, uh, all the way up to, uh, Ben Spees, you know, guys like that. So, um, yeah. Cambodia. You, you can't have no, I can't have no flat track guys in there. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, if you want to go that direction, I'm real curious on who who you have in your your on your flat track Mount Rushmore. But yeah, let's say your your favorite guys to watch Mount Rushmore. How about that? Well, in road racing, um, Eddie Lawson, um, you know, he's he was um, he was a guy. He was good, and and what what was incredible about Eddie is. Eddie knew how to walk the tightrope really, really tight, but he also knew how not to fall off of the tightrope. And, and that's why, you know, he's retired. He's in good shape and no issues. Um, so definitely Eddie was, um, you know, they called him steady Eddie for a reason. Um, you know, but I like Kenny, Eddie, um, trying to think, um, you know, Freddie Spencer, he was really good. Um, trying to think. Um, well, there's three. So, uh, how about how about the newer four. school guys? Like, where where do where do Nikki, Ben Spees, Colin Edwards? Like, what's your relationship like with those guys? And and what are your thoughts on on their careers a little bit? Well, you know, I think that we all have our time and place in racing, and of course, we're always more knowledgeable about our own time period. And I didn't really race those guys. So it's really hard for me to have an opinion, but I mean, Colin, I think won won the championship and anytime you're winning, Hey, you know, you're good. So, uh, um, but, uh, and then Ben Spees, he, um, he is, I think his career was fairly short. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if it panned out the way he wanted it to or not, but he, he wasn't there very long. I don't think in the, in the, in the Grand Prix side of things. Um, but he definitely in America, you know, um, did well. And then of course, winning that Superbike championship was, was, uh, that was great too, you know, great to see. Yeah. I think, uh, uh Ben, I, I don't think he was done yet. I mean, I think even what, two years ago, he was talking about trying to put together something to come back to Moto America. And I mean, you know, I, I don't know at that level, the shoulder injury he had, I know he would say sometimes just the Ducati would buck a little bit weird on the straightaway or come out of a corner and it'd pop his shoulder out. So that injury has got to be one of the, the worst, especially I, I think he was kind of in his prime when he got a little too hurt because he was, he was winning races on the Yamaha and then went to the Ducati and the Ducati has only gotten better. So who knows what could have been. I, I personally would love to see him back out, but um, I think he's doing dirt. Well, bike you know, I, dirt bike. I think all of us, you know, racers were, were, were kind of like oranges and, you know, you can squeeze an orange only for so long and finally there's no more juice left. So you have to just be smart enough to know kind of what your shelf life is and, and give it all you got while you're there because it's not going to last forever. No, but I'm still excited to hear that you might have one more squeeze left in you with that TZ250. So I'm, well, uh, I'm just chomping at the bit. Well, you know, one thing about the Honda that you ask about, I went up and did, I never had rode that bike up at Lodi. So we went up there, Annie and I did to the, to Lodi to do a short track. And when we left, some guy was asking me all these questions. And I said, you know, I said, there's only one difference between you and me. And I said, you unload your bike. I said, we unleash ours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I remember when you came to Springfield, man, uh, to race that thing, there was, well, I don't know if there was some rival rivalry there. I know some of the mid Midwest guys thought, you know, thought they had something for you, but I remember you, uh, I was, man, it had to be 10 years ago. I, I don't remember the year, but I remember you kicked their asses on that bike. And I was like, yeah, 
yeah, you, you mess with the bull, you get the horn. So it was it was cool to see you ride that on a track like Springfield. That was that was really cool. Well, and I think Corey, I think you can appreciate this and where that whole Springfield thing came from is, you know, I I was too young to get to ever ride the Astrodome, and and man, I just know as a kid. I mean, I had a T-shirt every year from the Astrodome going there watching the races, and that was just the Astrodome is it was just larger than life, and in my mind, it still is today. Um, and I, everywhere I ever looked, I thought, man, the Springfield short track is about as close as I'll ever get to Houston. And if you would have seen the effort that went into going back there for that one race, it would blow your mind. But a lot of people didn't know this, but we went back there. I had the bike, you know, with spare engine. We had three different cylinders, 12 exhaust pipes. Oh, I mean, shit. I had everything set to where no matter what kind of racetrack that was we were going to have a combination for it <laughs> rob can you imagine running the uh, amateur day at springfield and, and uh, having having john kaczynski show up with spare motors and a crt <laughs> <laughs> is he funny i bet there's the people that are trying to protest his ass anyway like that's something's not something's got to be cheating on that thing he's the way as fast as he was going because i remember i remember that that vividly i wasn't there i just remember hearing about it and reading about it and like it was not even funny it was like I don't know. It was like an NFL team showed up to a high school football game and just demoralized them. Yeah. Well, everybody, <laughs> well, it wasn't those so guys much. need a reality check bad. sometimes, Rob, as you know, those, those vintage guys, they, they think they're, you know, they think they're lighting the world on fire until somebody, it was like that Astro or the uh, fight club last year, the, you know, the older guys want to get in on the action. And then you watch, you watch current fast guys ride those bikes. It's like, okay, well, you know, we get it now. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, I tell you what, I tell you another thing too, you guys, I mean, all the AFT guys and current pros, um, I mean, it's, I can only sit back and, and like I said, I enjoy watching the races a lot. I'm just a huge fan. And when it comes to the actual being a fan, I can rub elbows with anybody when it comes to flat track and uh, just being a fan of it, watching it. And I tell you, it just bums me out because all you guys are so good that um i just wished you guys had better racetracks to to really show your craft and um i just know at some of those races uh, you know I, I feel like i should just go there and just pull up in a water truck you know <laughs> you sound nah. like kenny man you sound like kenny roberts when he was on our show uh, yeah i can't say i don't agree and rob as a rob's a track prep guy he's one of the best in the country so yeah i'm sure it's it's eh, it's frustrating but as a rider, I try not to stress on it too much because the old, uh, you know, it's the same for everybody type deal. But yeah, man, it's it's definitely more fun when you're able to uh, get it on on a nice racetrack. I I have to agree. But we got one more segment here, and we'll we'll let you get back to it. Um, it's called the higher low yep. line, and this or that, pretty much. Pick one or the other, and a brief explanation on on why you chose that one, um, Rob. While I'm doing this, if you if you want to chime in on a couple, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll do that for you as well. But yeah, that first one I got, John. Uh, what would you rather ride if you're going if you're going to Paris just for a practice day? What's more fun for you, the Wood Rotex or the CR250? CR250, hands down. Wow, hands down, huh? Hands down. Well, the 250 Honda is a short tracker. The Rotex is more of a something I would ride on a half mile. Um, Has anyone but, rode but those bikes but you? No. Okay. No, as I said, those bikes, they don't, they don't leave the shop. I mean, if, if, uh, if Andy's not there, those bikes are not there. They don't, I mean, I, and we, they're, they're our bikes, but 
it's just an unspoken sort of policy that uh, you'll never see those. If you see Andy, those bikes will be there. If, if, if Andy's not there, those bikes won't be. It's like moving the gold, Fort Knox, just it goes with you. <laughs> well, it's, uh, awesome. yeah, so definitely the CR250. Okay. Um, I got another one for you. Who is a tougher competitor, Wayne Rainey or Kevin Schwanz? Oh, he's thinking. I like this. Um, you know, they were both fierce competitors, but very different. I mean, your approach to beating them was different. As in? Uh, as in. But they, they were both. I mean, that's that's a toss up right there. That was that that comes out as an equal score. I can't. What did it take to beat each of those guys? Like, why was it different for each one? Well, you know, Kevin. I think Kevin was had more natural talent. Um, Wayne was just more determined. So the approach to trying to, you know, beat Wayne or Kevin, it was just different the way you raced them. Um, but, uh, but they were still, you know, they were fierce competitors and, and, you know, I'm, I, I feel fortunate to, have, you know, I've had a chance to race against them and, and, uh, and, uh, but yeah, that it's, um, I think that would, that's just an equal score. It's, I can't choose one over the other. All right. I think I got the answer to this one already, but I do want to know GP bikes or super bikes. Um, it doesn't, I mean, it can be the money. It can be just the thrill of the ride. It can be the excitement level, the lack of drama. Just, you know, if, if you were ready to sign if you had both if you had a million dollar contract for world superbike or a million dollar contract for gp no strings attached you just go have fun which would it be well i would say the one that you could organize the right people around you uh is the one that i would take um and Same because team, the, the best team that you could pick you pick your team but you got to pick the bike or the championship and i that's a tough one. I, I, I mean, I like, I like them both. I, I mean, if, if everything was equal, equal, I would say, God, that's a hard thing. I, maybe I would race one and get off and hurry up to the next race to race the other one. You know, it's like, that's a, that's a tough one. I, I wish I could select, but you know, they're both, they're both equally as great. All right. Well, I got, cool. I got one more for you. Um, obviously you're, you're, um, you know, you were racing grand prix in the late eighties, early nineties, which is kind of the, uh, a really iconic flat track period you know, the camel pro days, you know, and, and this is a, we're going to, someone's knocking. We're going to do a, a three part to this one. You got to pick one rider from that era, the early nineties. Who was your favorite to watch Ricky Graham, Chris Carr, or Scott Parker? Well, in that, you know, it's funny because I was in Europe in 93 and I followed all the flat track races and I was pulling for Ricky Graham. And that's the year that he won all those races and won the championship, you know, cause he was like a privateer. Yep. Uh, but, um, man, Scott Parker, it's hard to not want to choose him. Um, you know, he was, he was, he was just funny, you know, after the races and all the yelling he would do. Um, but then you have Chris Carr. That's just, uh, I mean, he's just, I mean, he was, He's like an icon of the sport, you know. It's God. You guys gotta, you guys are pulling out the tough questions here. It's it's really they were just so different, but they're all good. It's yeah. Take all three of them, really. <laughs>
Yeah, we like to we like to give the hard ones, but uh, now nah, once again, John, man, it, it's an honor to talk to you and have you on the show. Uh, hopefully, when we, if we can get out to Sacramento later in the year for that doubleheader, maybe we can get you out to that race, man. I'd like to uh, I'd like to meet you face to face. Like I've I've seen you at the track, but uh, I never I've never got the formally chance to meet you. So I'd like to I'd like to meet you. And yeah, thanks for for coming on once again. Well, hey, do me a favor. If the G&G guy is calling, they want to test it, Paris, don't turn it down. <laughs> I got you, man. <laughs> I got you. I'll have to get your phone number. I'll, we'll, we'll try and coordinate a weekend. I'll, we'll get we'll get out there. And it, it, yeah, for, for you guys, it's close. I, I got to get I got to hop on a jet. So, yeah, that's I got you. We'll, we'll, we'll dial that in. That'd be fun. Well, no, like you say, again, in closing here, guys, I really I really enjoy what you guys are doing, watching, uh, you know, and like I said, you guys have given me an avenue to stay, you know, to basically a lot of my knowledge comes from the platforms that both you guys are providing. And I have to say, you know, I follow it as much as I can. I'm a, I'm a huge flat track enthusiast. And um, uh, I mean, I, like I said, I just like to give a shout out to all the fans and people that support flat track. Just thank you for everything. And I look forward to, you know, I want to get to one of these races and come in there and in the pits and uh, kind of mix it up with you guys. Oh, man, you're 100% welcome anytime with us, man. I can guarantee you right now you'll fit in just fine in our, our circle. No, I know, but all right, Robbie, and like I said, I, I see the tracks, you know, I follow your tracks. I've watched a lot of the videos and, and I tell you, your videos um, have allowed me to see so many races and things and, and, and you post the, the timing and scoring and I read all the sheets and the, and, and I'm, I'm able to keep up with that. And, and if it wasn't for you doing that, I mean, how else would I know? Yeah, no, I, I enjoy that. Actually, it's funny you mentioned the timing and scoring stuff because like with Corey in particular, you know, so many people don't really take advantage of that because I think it's absolutely imperative to know where you're at and how you're doing. And, and Corey and Jared Mees and uh, some of the other guys, they'll be the first ones to text me like right off the track. Hey, how's my time? Did I go faster? Did I go slower? And it's like, depending on who I'm working for, you know, I can either tell them or I can't tell them, but uh it's it's funny you know because i i love it that's one of the main reasons why i invested so much money in that system is to be able to have that data right there at my fingertips if you have a few well, spare hours john if you have a few spare hours in your day there's a facebook group you can go on and uh you can read all of rob's um read all of rob's don't do that to him actually average. i'm on a hard 30 right now anyway i'm back in jail oh you're in jail that's why it's yeah so i don't want to get political i don't want to get political but Somebody was talking about the latest incident. And I said, "Look, if somebody's stabbing me with a knife, please shoot them." And and I got banned. I got another thirty days. That's all I said. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah, man. no, it's kind of crazy. But no, you guys, like I say, you, um, I, I as I mentioned earlier, I, it's it's easy to see why you're you're getting more and more sponsors on board with your podcast, and I think it's really cool. And and um, I'm just glad that um, uh, I mean, you can clearly see that I follow what you guys do because that's, you know, I, I gain a lot of knowledge from that. And you, you guys, like you said, give me an avenue to sort of be on the inside and, and watch all the inner workings and things like that. So I, I just can't thank you guys enough and, and the way you guys are supporting flat track and I mean, everything you do, man, I, I love it and just keep up the good work and, and uh, I'll be following you guys. Right on, John. I appreciate that. It's humbling. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll touch base. We'll talk soon. Thanks again for coming on. All right, man. You guys be good. Take All care, right, John. You too. Take care, sir. Pleasure talking right. to you. Yep. Thank you. Later on. That was awesome. That was amazing. John Dude, Kaczynski, um, man. That was 
phenomenal, phenomenal show. Uh, loved having him on. It, it's humbling that that he follows our show like that, man. That's that's super awesome. So yeah, Rob, that, a lot of cool, a lot of cool, a lot of really cool stuff there. Man, info that you just more info you never would notice. But yeah, I, I I don't know if you've had the chance to, and and I know you're more of a new school guy, but go Google those two bikes of his. Just Google John Kosinski CR250 or Rotax. And then, like, from the outside, it looked like just normal bikes. But everybody who talks about Kosinski talks about how detail-oriented he was, almost, like, OCD level. And you can clearly see the more stuff you look at details on those bikes, you're like, oh, yep, that sounds about right, man, because they are just just insane. Like, the closer you get, the more stuff you see. And especially from, like, a mechanics background, I'm, like, completely interested. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, well, I they're already saved in my phone. <laughs> I was looking at them uh, this morning. So, yeah, they're – they're rad. And we'll post them on our pages. Uh, we appreciate as always the fans for, for tuning into our show, sharing it and, and letting us know, like John Kaczynski is a fan of the show. That's fucking awesome. Uh, I was at Pagoda little local hillbilly number one hillbilly shit. I've seen uh, flat track race over the weekend to spectate. And there was, t- there were two fans there uh, walking around the pits with tank slap and tees. So it's, um it's super rad. And I, I love, I love that shit. I, before we get, uh, and to any farther, Rob, I want to make sure we we give Dick Mann a shout out. And uh, he passed away, I think it was yesterday, one of the pioneers of the sport, uh, one of the most well-known riders, most talented guys to ever ride a motorcycle. I don't know all the details. I think he was 87. And uh, it's, a, it's a damn shame when we lose anybody regard, you know, that relates to the, the sport of flat track. And damn like that's a big one so uh yeah godspeed big man huge loss the only thing i can say on a positive note to that is this 87 years old and i think up until the last year or so he was still riding and racing and having a good time so um you know he lived a long motorsports life so i think that looking back um you know as bad as it is we lost one but i hope that i can go out you know till my last day still being able to ride a motorcycle so Yep. Super, super, duper bummed out, especially being a British guy that I am, um, you know, but uh, yeah, it's not even, not even really fun to even talk about it, but definitely the respect that that man's career commanded is, uh, is literally probably second to none, man. Like where else? And he was great. Grand slam, grand slam, Dude, grand, motor, yeah. motocross, real grand motocross. slam, like the legit one, right? Like yeah. road race and flat track. So yeah. But then he was great at motocross. I, dude, he built frames. He built yeah. bikes. Uh, the Dick Man DMR, like Osa. I don't know if you ever heard of that, but like that was his bike. Like he was a manufacturer that helped design these little short trackers called Osas or Osas, however you pronounce it. I mean, um, and then he helped, like he was instrumental in, you know, the Arma um, whole vintage racing as he got older in age. And yep. hell, I think he got Honda's first road race win at the Daytona 200 on a CB750. I mean, just. We could talk about it all day, man, but yeah, super bummed. Yeah, Godspeed, Dick Bugsy, man, man. And we're going to, that's that's a shame. So I wanted to, wanted to give him a shout out. I want to also shout out a race this weekend, the Western Ohio Motorsports, May 1st, J&M Ranch Short Track, and Sonia, Ohio. I think I said that right. For any other information, check out the Western Ohio Motorsports on Facebook and get you dialed in on, on that. Uh, not a lot. I don't know much else going on, Rob, besides we got the Atlanta TT this weekend. I'm leaving tomorrow morning to head down. I'm really excited to go down there and race at Atlanta Motor Speedway. It's it's a TT. We haven't raced a TT in a while, so I'm I'm stoked that we're able to race a TT again. You know, we didn't get to do any last year. 
And I haven't got the race one since Daytona in 2019. It's been over two years since I've, I've been able to actually line up at a grand national TT race. So it's uh, it's going to be a really, really fun weekend. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, you know, not just toot my own horn, but we got Sonoya Friday night, which is honestly, you know, not yes. just cause I'm promoting it, but it's honestly one of the, uh, the raciest tracks I've ever seen in my life. Like, you know, we got, there's so many pictures of dudes like four and five wide, like every lap, you know, and that just, it's just the dirt they've got there is amazing. And the track crew really, really, really cares. And they it's actually close to like Atlanta. A million so go check yeah, it out. 17 yeah. miles, 17 miles away. And, uh, I look forward to being in Atlanta. I hope my guy beats you, beat you this weekend, but I know you're going to be there fighting every step. The, uh, <laughs> the grizzly bear don't care. I know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's kind of funny, man. I, I wasn't going to talk about it, but I, you know, AFT did the uh, little article on who to look out for on the TTs and, and I wasn't on there and I was kind of like a little like eh, pissy. I'm like, what the fuck dude? Like, why? I, I'm not, I'm not on, I'm not on this. I'm not good enough. And then I, 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 I put the phone down and I got thinking, I'm like, you know what? I really haven't done shit on TTs. Like why the hell should I be in their article? Like I, I haven't done anything on TTs. Like I got, I've made grand national main events, but I've never any, I never phoned home after a TT race and been like, yeah, I crushed it today. So um, with that being said, I'm excited. I, I've been doing a lot of riding and uh, the production twins class is actually really stacked with really good TT riders. So I'm looking forward to that challenge. It's going to be fun. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, it's going to get dicey. <laughs> so I'm looking yeah, for forward. Sure. I, I've, I've been in a dicey sort of mood lately, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be, it's going to be good racing for the fans. So make sure you check that out. Um, want to make sure quick wrap this up. Want to make sure we shout out our sponsors, Bell Power Sports, Moto America, check out Road Atlanta this weekend while you're in town for the, for this, for the super TT, uh, don't get me started on that, but yeah, we'll <laughs> check out road Atlanta, April 30th to May 2nd. If you can't watch, if you can't be there, make sure you subscribe to that live plus package. It's, it's better than Netflix, man. It's phenomenal shit. So make sure you subscribe and, uh, and watch the action all weekend long at DID chain, social media, check them out. All the top teams use DID chain roof systems of Dallas, Texas, Jerry, Jerry Stinchfield, Nearly 40 years of experience in the commercial roof roofing industry. Check their website out, commercialroofsystems.net. Dunlop Tires, the official tire of the American Flat Track Series. We're going to keep giving away tires on this podcast. And so make sure you uh, follow them, follow our show on uh, social media, and, and win some tires. AIM Sports Data, the world leader in data acquisition. The Solo 2, Solo 2 DL. If you have any questions on those products, hit me up. And then D&D Cycles, Robbie Bobby's official motorcycle dealership in Pensacola, Florida. If you're in the area, if you're looking for, for a motorcycle, Perilia Triumph, Kimco, oh man, I, I know you got other brands too. Stay sick. We've talked about in the opening, if you little guy or girl wants to get started on an electric bike, Robbie is your guy. Um, again, a lot of support from DD cycles in the, uh, in the sport of flat track. So that's all I got, Rob, man. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up. I got to get some shit together for the weekend. I, um, I'll see you down there, dude. Hopefully Sonoya goes well. I wish I was going, but I'll be at the, uh, at the test and um, hopefully you guys have a good show and a, a lot of good riders. Yeah, man, we're playing on it, man. And uh, as always, it's been a pleasure and look forward to the next one. That's out later.